Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and I hope you've had a great day so far. Um, here in Indiana, it is not so pretty. So just the other day, it was nice and sunshiny, and Mother Nature thought they'd trick us, and now it's nasty again. Um, but we are on our way to about eight weeks away from our conference, and so the past couple shows, I thought I would bring on a couple of our uh, workshop presenters. It's a good way for you guys to get to know them and um, hopefully get excited to um, kind of hear what their stories are and what they're going to be able to talk about during their workshops. And I think it's a good way to get to know people and, um, you know, just kind of get a sense of what's going to go on. And I think it's a good uh, comfort way, too. You get to know me a little better. You get to know them a little better, which hopefully by now you guys know me. I probably tell way too much about me. Um, But um, my guest today, not unlike my guest last week, is also um, a counselor. Um, She is from Austin, and she has been in private practice since 2002. She is passionate about helping the GLBTQ community have a strong relationship, and she helps people recover from eating disorders. Her love of group therapy began in graduate school and has been a big part of her training and professional life. Pam is also an adoptee in reunion with her birth family and has found group therapy very helpful in issues related to adoption. So I just want to say welcome, Pam, and thanks for being on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I'm really looking forward to the conference in eight weeks, you said. So, I know. Yeah, I can't believe me. it is close. It is just like <laughs> zoomed by. I feel like this one has come up so much faster than the last one. So, um, yeah, I don't – first, before we get into your workshop, I thought maybe you could just tell us, which is something I like people to do if they can, just what you feel comfortable in telling us about, um, you know, your – reunion and if you want to talk a little bit about that and you know again I really what you, do mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'd love to tell you my story because yes. um really I haven't I haven't told it publicly except for one other conference that I attended another adoption conference and I I think it's really important to tell our stories um so I'll I'll tell some of it and um and let me know if it's too long because <laughs> it's, oh, that's it's right. a lifetime right <laughs> Um, it sure is. But in, yeah, I grew up in Dallas. I was born in Dallas, Texas, and my parents, um, the ones who adopted me, um, were Jewish, and they had always known they wanted to have two children and then adopt two children. And then when they started to, to try to have kids, they had some fertility issues, and so they decided to go to adoption first, and they adopted my sister, Cindy, and then they adopted me two and a half years later. And two years later, they um, got pregnant with my brother. So oh. three of us total. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think overall, my, my parents really did a beautiful job of telling my sister and I that we were adopted um, just for as long as we can remember. We had um, our adoption story. Basically, each of us had our own story that they would tell, like at bedtime or whenever we asked to hear it. And they also did this beautiful thing. They had um, my mom had boxes for us, all three of us actually, in the closet 
you know, in her closet and we'd go in there and rifle through our boxes and in mine were, was one piece of paper from the adoption agency that had a little bit of information listed. And in my sister's, there was, there was something else, um, not much. She was a, a private adoption, so she didn't have, uh, I, I think it was almost zero information. Um, really? Yeah. 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 So, but they would answer our questions and I had a lot of questions. I was just always curious from the moment I could probably ask questions. I wanted to know more about my birth parents and I was, I kind of, I I didn't know why they didn't know more and I didn't understand um, why I couldn't know more. You know, it, it just didn't make much sense to me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, it's so when um, they don't, yeah. Information. To do you have a question? You. Sorry. Yeah, no. That I was going to say that's hard when they don't have information to tell us, and we want to know more. That's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think one, you know, one mistake that they did make was that I don't think they kept educating themselves. Like they did a good job of educating themselves about adoption and adoptee issues before they adopted, but then um, didn't do a. a any um, any kind of research after that. And so, um, you know, they weren't very informed about maybe trauma or any of the other issues that come up for adoptees, but, but they certainly did the best they could. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad that they were, we were able to talk about it as much as we want. And, you know, we felt like full members of the family, you know, overall, I think it was a, they did a great job in that way. So, so fast forward, um, I think I had some curiosity about searching when I turned 18. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. When I, um, when I turned 18, I went to U- the University of Texas. And that year, there was a, a news story about Roseanne Barr's birth daughter. Do you remember uh-huh. that? Do you? That was in, I totally like, the National that. Enquirer. Yeah. So that that was in like 1989, and so that the girl that was kind of exposed as the birth daughter um, went to my school and was in a Jewish Jewish sorority, and I was also in a Jewish sorority, but different okay. Jewish sorority. So I was I was aware of that story, and I didn't know her firsthand. So I but I would ask her friends. I I investigated a lot. It kind of fit into this weird like oh, my birth mom might be famous fantasy that I think, right. you know, that right. I think I might have had at different times. Right. Did you have that right. too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. So I so I guess lately I've been curious about whether or not that kind of scared me about reunion a little bit, you know, um, or uh, or somehow kept me from searching for a little bit longer. I'm not sure. But um, I didn't end up searching until I had my daughter. So in 1998, I had my daughter, Leah. And at that point, like a lot of adoptees, um, I was like, oh, my gosh, this I have to search. This is crazy that, um, you know, I I had never had a, a connection with another human being like that um, t- to have that familial kind of the, the fam- familiar just to be able to gaze at someone who looks like you um, and to have that level of connection. So I, I started the long kind of, it took me um, a couple of years, I think, to get up courage to take each step, but I finally 
contacted the adoption agency in Dallas and they got me my de-identified record first and then they sent me um, and then they sent me the forms to, to maybe make contact. So my first kind of pass through reunion was, was at that time. And the agency would, so I sent a letter to my birth mom because she agreed to accept one. And then she sent me a letter back and it was all de-identified. Like I knew her first name, but a lot of the information that she wrote down got blacked out because they didn't want to reveal the information until she was ready. So right. it was nice. I got a really lovely letter from her um, telling me a little bit about her life and some medical history information. And, you know, she said she had a daughter who was in the same program that I was in for counseling and um, who's just a couple of years younger than me. So that, that was exciting to know. But then after that, she decided to cut off contact so, um, so that was disappointing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah. So that, so I, I think um, I decided not to do more. You know, some people said, oh, well, you could hire an investigator, but I, I really just um, decided to kind of deal with what was true that she didn't want a relationship with me, and and over time, I just kind of made peace with it and went on with my life. I'd say. Um, right. Trying to trying to just kind of, um, you know, f- just deal with what what was, you know, that she she said no for whatever her reasons were. Um, right. So yeah, I think during that time I just um, kept living my life, and I was a parent, and I was a counselor, and I did a lot of um, I did a lot of group therapy actually during that time, which which we can talk about in a little bit. But so it was right. It was about it was about 15 years later. So in 2014, I decided to do the DNA testing and um, find out more about my heritage. So I did that, and lo and behold, I opened up my results, and I had a close relative match. And so I was I don't know why, but I was completely shocked. I had no idea that could happen. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that that might be one of the outcomes, right? So I I emailed that person. And I thought it was a first cousin because that was the guess about the connection between me and her. And, right. Um, so I emailed her, and then I started looking at her family tree, and I could her mother was still alive, so her name wasn't listed uh, on the family tree, but her father had had died, and so his name was George, and I remembered from that one letter that my birth mother, whose her name is Joellen, had sent me that her husband's name was George. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I think this is my sister. I just oh my <laughs> couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, so my investigative abilities <laughs> were pretty good. I was just, you know, I think when you don't have any information, you're just like, right. you just want anything, you know, anything. Sure, you're hungry so, for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from her tree, I could tell what my birth mother's maiden name was. So I, I Googled that real quick and um, up popped this search page. So my birth father had been searching for me for a few years. Oh, wow. And he had put into a search page like my birth mother's name and my first name because he knew that because somehow through 
just through the family, through that letter I had sent years before. And he, um, like my approximate birth date. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there on my couch with my daughter. I'm like, uh, I think think my birth father is looking for me. So I hadn't, you know, that was a big surprise and a wonderful surprise. I was very happy that somebody wanted to meet me, you know, um, oh yeah, because I I was still under the impression that my birth mother was was not you know didn't want right. to meet me, um, so it felt great and yeah so yeah I met I met search, him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something to search when you're afraid someone doesn't want to find you. You know, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's scary. I mean, but to know someone does want to find you, that's better. <laughs> that's way better. <laughs> It felt it felt great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah, I could I could tell you a little more about that if you want, about what happened then, but I don't sure. know. Sure. Oh yeah. To... Yeah. Well, so so Dan is his name, that's my birth father. And um I I got a hold of him within a couple of days, you know, through that search site. Uh-huh. And we made a plan to meet to meet on the phone and we talked for about an hour and it was just very familiar and and really a comforting conversation and i i loved his voice and i loved the way he talked i liked what he had to say we were both pretty patient in our pace of getting to know each other which was really nice um he you know he let me know he wanted to come and visit as soon as possible and but was willing to wait until i was you know ready for that cuz i was still in in somewhat you know i was pretty shocked that it had happened at all Right. Um, but yeah, so so he and then in the meantime, I get an email from Kate. And that's my my birth sister on my birth mom's side who um had had you know had done the DNA testing as well, and she was so excited to meet me. <laughs> so so uh <laughs> she had also <laughs> talked with her mom and her mom was in a different place at this point, you know, in her life and ready to meet me and so um so I got to talk to my birth mother too, and now I call her Mama Jo. Wow. Her name's Joellen, but um, but yeah, it so so those relationships started kind of over the phone and and over email, and we were kind of slowly getting to know each other and just learning about you know each other's lives, which was nice. And every everybody that was super patient, you know, I it was a lot of people for me to be meeting. And I think right. everybody held held that in their mind, and they were really kind about it. Um, and that was nice. Yeah. So a, a few months later, Dan drove down from Wyoming. So they all live very far away from me. You know, I'm in Austin, Texas, and Dan lives in Wyoming. And he drove down. Um, so he was the first one I met in person. And he, I took the week off of work, and you know, we, I had. What do you do when your birth father comes to visit you? Like. I don't know. <laughs> what, you know, there's no like recommended uh, itinerary for such a thing. Yeah, so yeah. we were we were kind of going to play it by ear a little bit, and right. I wanted to show him some things that I do all the time, and and have, have him meet, of course, my wife and my daughter, and you know, his granddaughter, and he was really sure. excited to meet meet all of them too. But really, from the about the after the first day. You know, because I I was talking about my family a whole lot because they all live in Dallas and it's a big family. And, um, you know, I was keeping all of them informed about all this throughout. And he's like, I think I need to meet your mom. 
And I was like, okay. So we drove to Dallas. And this was so lovely. So my mom since has, has passed away. She died two years ago. Um, but, but she was still alive. Thank goodness to, to meet them. And, um, so I called her and I was like, guess what? We're, we're on our way. And she's like, got it. So she had, she called the whole family and I think we had 27 people that night at the house. Oh, wow. Dan. Yeah. And it was, that felt, I think that was one of the most heartwarming experiences for me to feel that supported by my whole family, um, that they were going to show up. And even though they were a little confused, like, you know, who is this and why, why is this important to you? You know, it's hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause that can go, that can go a number of ways. Um, you know, um, that doesn't always go great. So that that's really no, it doesn't thing that it that it went great for you. I mean I'm I mean I'm truly got, because that that really does complete things for us. I don't think they mm-hmm. realize how important that is for us. So um, right to have their support and uh-huh. and just because it's you know even if they don't understand it just because it's important right. to me you know they showed up and I felt sure. that um, yeah it was really really amazing. And so then, then Dan and I drove back to, I mean, number one, it was just, it was magical to, to watch my mom and Dan meet, you know, I think she fell in love with him almost immediately. Um, I think in, in some ways, I, you know, he looks like me, like we, we resemble each other. And uh, yeah, huh. I think that had a, had an effect. And then he was just so present and willing to talk with her about what happened in his life that led to, you know, all the decisions he made. Um, she really respected that, you know, that he was able to have those hard conversations with her um, and fill out that story for us because it's, you know, it's such a blank. It's like, we don't know anything. Um, did he have it's a real gift. Did he have a part in it or was he, did he have any he say did, so? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause you know, a lot of dads don't, I mean, you know, they, they're silent in it and they sometimes don't know, you know? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're really they don't have any part and it's, it's mm-hmm. just, they're doubt. Um, sometimes I think they, oh, I wouldn't say they prefer that, but you know, sometimes that's such a hard decision and sometimes they're young too and they mm-hmm. don't know what to do. So yeah. Right. It's good that he had some decision in it. So he had, yeah, he had some experiences to share. I would say I don't know how much of a say he had, but he he definitely was involved and in, and had some some stories that were helpful for me to to fill out some you know just the facts. I just I just wanted to know as much as I could. So sure, that was a real sure. gift. Yeah. So we drove back right. to Austin, and then and then within I think a day. You know, he was going to drive back and drive to Nebraska, which is where a lot of his siblings live. And it's also where my birth mom lives and two of um, her three kids. And so um, so I I looked at my wife and I was like, I think I'm going to Nebraska with Dan. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what I need to do right now. 
So we cut the Austin part short and I got, you know, in Dan's van and we drove to Nebraska for the rest of that week. And um, I called Joellen and Kate and said, I'm on the way. Uh, Are y'all there? (laughs) Are you you in town? I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really, I honestly didn't know if I was pushing them a little too much, you know, I right. didn't know if they were quite ready to meet me in person um, right. because we hadn't talked about it directly, but they couldn't have been more welcoming. And, and I think if they had said, no, I would have just met Dan's, Dan's family. And that would have been just wonderful too. You know, um, the, just more was better for me at that point uh, to meet more of them, sure. more of the people I was genetically connected to. So, so yeah, I'm, that that's that's the deal and that was um i think th- three years ago i would say um so so yeah I it's guess kind of a whirlwind of isn't it i mean it all <laughs> just kind of happens and then you go wait maybe i maybe i should have slowed that down but you really can't it just kind of all kind of unravels and you kind of just have to to roll with it because Sometimes if you stop to think about it, it might not happen. You know, you kind of just have to go and do it, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, yeah, there was something about how he said, you know, that well, I'm going to go through Nebraska and then drive back to Wyoming. And I, it just felt like an opportunity to be able to do it with him. I think we had really connected, and I really trusted him, and I felt very comfortable with him. And I thought it would be nice to have him with me as I was – meeting all these people and I checked in with my mom about it and I was like am I losing my mind or does this make sense and she was like this makes sense and it even comforted her to know I'd have him with me so I think that helped me feel free to to trust my instincts around it um that I was ready so and it it did it turned out pretty great um you know I don't have any complaints about any of that well, no, because so, by yourself yeah. facing all of that, you know, that's that's a hard mm-hmm. thing to do. I mean, no one wants to do this by themselves. I mean, whether it's mm-hmm. a friend or, you know, whoever, having someone by your side is really important in this. That's for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially someone, you know, that that gets it, you know, or at least kind of gets it, you know, that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and that maybe that's an important part of the story to to tell is that so Dan had also had another um, child out you know out of wedlock wedlock I guess is the the phrasing mm-hmm. um, from that time um, with with a different woman a few years I think a year later after I was born um, so and that child was also given up for adoption. And she found Dan two and a half years, I think, before I found him. Oh, wow. And so he had he had really just been through the whole experience. Um, and he'd also just been in his own work, been doing his own personal work and his own counseling. So I think all of those factors, you know, he was a, um, he was so patient and, and, kind of knew in some ways what I was going through because he had been through it with Tiffany. So, um, and I, I've, so she's my half sister and I'm incredibly close to her now too. Um, 
you know, to, to have a sister who was also adopted to a different family who also was in reunion with, you know, half of the same family that I'm in reunion with. It was pretty golden. Like, I mean, yep. I, that's, you know, that's, that's incredible <laughs> that, that they who knew, who knew how you felt like and, and all of that. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. that's kind of, um, that really, I'm sure that, well, and that, that too could go wrong. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there could be jealousy yeah. there and there could be lots of things that could go a million different directions too. That's, that's the thing you never mm-hmm. know in this, how that could go, but it's a good thing that it didn't. I mean, you know, not bringing up, you know, bad things, but you know, you just never know how this is going to mm-hmm. go. Um, you don't. Yeah. So it's good I'm, that it did. I, I continue to be surprised at how many people in my family, my birth family, have that capacity to kind of have all the feelings. It's not like those feelings don't exist, right? Like jealousy or fear or anger about certain things. Um, but, but so many of them have done enough work in their own life that they have the capacity to kind of communicate about it or contain it or, or talk about it or somehow um, address it more directly. And right. it's made, it's just made for a very rich experience. You know, I just, I feel really um, a lot of gratitude about that, you know. How how was um, his family and how that went well and when you visit, visited them, his family was oh, good? It was and so, it was, you know, it was so neat because, so he has 11 siblings. And oh, wow. And I think I met, I think I met eight of them on that trip and because he, he really, um, you know, makes an effort to, I think, visit them when he's in town. So we, we went to all these different homes of, of his sisters and brothers. And I met each of them face to face. One of them I actually stayed with, um, Oh wow. That for that, you know, three nights, Nancy and Dan, her, her husband's name is also Dan. Um, and I, the welcome was, was really big. Um, and I, I guess I, in some ways I credit Dan. I think he really um, is a good communicator. And let, as soon as he found me, he let everybody know, you know, he started talking about it. And one of the things that he did that was so wonderful is they have a family list, like an address list, that they uh-huh. update every six months or a year. And he added me to it right away. And um, then they sent it out to everybody. And I just thought, wow, you know, um, it felt ah. very, it just felt very good. And um, it didn't feel like pressure at all, which I can imagine it, that it might, you know, but, but it was also accompanied by all this. Um, I, I had the freedom to say yes or no to, to any parts of it. Right. Um, sure. And, and so it just felt welcoming and, and I don't know what feelings everybody had about it. I'm sure they were mixed, right? I mean, it's a stirring thing to bring another, to bring an adult, you know, into the family, but no one's, some people didn't even know about me, I I think, but, um, but, you know, it, overall, it was just a big welcome. And I felt, I loved getting to know each, each of them um, a little bit, you know, and their life, their, their home. I mean, they, they brought me into their homes. I can't, it was incredible. So, how was the meeting? Yeah. Which maybe this is a little bit nosy, and you can tell me if it is. 
How was the okay. meeting between your birth mom and your birth father? How how did they seem to when they saw each other when you were they, together? Okay. So when I yes when I when I was going to um, go to Joellen's house to meet her and two of my siblings, um, Kate and Kyle were there and. Oh, I just I love thinking back to it. It was really an important moment in my life. Um and sure. you know, they they were welcoming to Dan. They you know, they invited him in cuz he dropped me off and he knew he'd probably stay a little a little bit, but then uh-huh. go and let me have my my day with them. Um, sure. And so they, you know, they I think they either hugged or or shook hands or they had a moment of just um saying hello to, to one another. They hadn't seen each other in a very long time, you know, since like, right. I think it's maybe right after I was born or something. Um, so long time. Um, yeah. it, was, it was lovely. And I, I don't know how, I don't know exactly how that was for them, but it was magical for me, you know, to see them in the right. same room together. And my wife was going to just kill me when I got home. Cause she's like, you didn't get a picture with you between the yeah. two of them. Are you kidding me? Like, that's the picture. Like that's, that's the picture you should have gotten. I'm like, I was busy, like being in the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, that's I had a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, you, you that moment just goes by, and honestly, it's probably better you didn't take a picture because then you wouldn't have absorbed it. You know, right? You know, you right. Have, and I have it with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you wouldn't have it in your in your mind and your brain, and you wouldn't have seen it all. Yeah, but I think well, I wonder. Joellen had done a lot of healing and it it was a I hope it was a a good moment for them in some way you know I hope so right sorry what were you about to say I just I I just can't imagine I mean you know I wouldn't imagine very often well I don't know how this goes I mean I'm sure plenty of times you know birth moms and birth fathers meet up um but oftentimes Mm -hmm. they don't and there mm-hmm. isn't that reunification between the two. Um, they pass away. They never see each other again. They never speak again. Um, it's a painful experience. Um, there's so many different, you know, obstacles that mm-hmm. play into that they don't meet up, um, you know. But then there are times True. where they they remarry each other. Or not remarry, mm-hmm. they marry each other. They do get married, and they right. go on to have families together. And um, there's so many scenarios that play into this, you know. So, I mean, sometimes they they do. They stay friends. I mean, there's just so many different things that, you know, this can play out to be. And it just amazes me, you know, I, to listen to people's stories. And, um, you know, it's just it's crazy how it all comes together, you know. Mm-hmm. I bet it was mm-hmm. – amazing for you to kind of stand back and watch that moment kind of play out, you know? So it it was incredible. And it, it felt, um, all of it felt like I just wanted to be as present as I possibly could. You know, I just yeah. wanted to be in those moments completely. And, and, um, well, uh, I just wanted to be vulnerable in terms of, being willing to, to say more or share or, or be myself um, so that I would get as much out of it as possible. And I think it, I think a lot, almost everybody I came in contact kind of showed up in the same, 
way, which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I think the most magical moments for me, though, were when my mom met both Dan and Joellen, because at some point Joellen and Kate flew down to Dallas to meet my mom. She um, she was ill for um, five years before she died and wouldn't have been able to make that trip on her own because I know she wanted to meet Mama Jo pretty uh, a lot. So I was so happy that they decided to come down and watching my mom meet Joellen. I I will never forget that that mm. that's um, top top moment mountaintop moment. I think I've heard somebody say on some of these adoption. Yeah, just like That's wow. That's good though. That that was it, it was in that moment that I really realized this is not a, only about me. Like I, this, this is a lot of healing is happening for a lot of people through this process right. and it you know, for my mom to say thank you to Joellen and for Joellen to say thank you to my mom and for them to cry together um in the loss that they both had endured and the the I guess for my mom it was more she was so scared for so long you know scared of losing me scared somebody would take me away scared you know just all the stuff that adoptive parents used to go through and and still do in some ways with those closed adoptions all that secrecy it's like just makes people so scared that they mm. will lose their child you know right um, that's that's not right so. I think it was helpful to my mom, yeah. Yeah, hence the sealed records, you know. That's why we have them. That's why they exist. Just can't (laughs) keep going like this. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy y'all did that work and and that it it happened for you, and I hope that that can happen in Texas this next legislative cycle. We're working very hard to try to make that happen. Me too. I know the the people down there and... um, um, Connie awesome. and those the people down are, here yeah. are awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, yep, yep. You've you've got a you've got a really good group down there, and um, Marcy and Connie and those guys are pretty amazing. And um, you know, yes. um, not that not that I'm any great help, but they you know we've talked and anything I can good. do down there, um, I will do. So. They need me or any help. I'm on the next plane down. <laughs> so, um, yeah. oh yeah, um, I love those guys. They they're amazing, and um, you know we've we've talked plenty of times, and um, you know that's what it's about is friendships and all of us who have changed the law and have worked on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one person doesn't do it. Um, you know, a group does it, and um, sometimes it's a small group, but that's okay. I mean, but you know, it just takes just it takes years to do it. I mean, you yeah. know, it mm-hmm. it's um, gosh, nine years um, to do it, and you know, I think we really thought we were going to do it, <laughs> and we were going to do it in the first yeah. year when we were sure we had it, and we were like. <laughs> No, that didn't happen. Because it makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, oh sure, you know, there's no it does. Not to. Yeah. Oh yeah, legislators go, <laughs> no, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, but back to your story. I don't know. Um, how did it feel? With, I know we talked about your, you know, the paternal side. How did your mm-hmm. paternal siblings? How did that go with them? How have you kept up with them? 
Have that well, has that kept? Um, have you been able to keep up with them? I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Kate and I, Kate and I have been very close ever since this happened, and in fact, we made a commercial for Ancestry DNA. Um, we did that together because. Um, oh yeah. At some point, yeah. I, at some point, I let them, the Ancestry DNA people, know. I was like, so so um, thankful that that they existed, right? <laughs> that they. Played a part in opening my records when the state of Texas would not do that for me, um, sure. and so I sent them this kind of thank you video saying, you know, I'm willing to share my story, but most of all, I just want to say thank you, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Um, this has made a huge impact in my life, and they they decided to tell our story. So Kate and I flew to L.A. one one weekend, and we were you know put up in a hotel and made a commercial which was totally fun um but you know and then we've just um i think over time we're just nurturing our friendship you know and and that's happening with um her brothers as well it's i guess they're my brothers too but um, right kyle and george they're amazing people i'm i just really love them all um so much yeah so it's all it's like it's like there are these new friends in my life that i'm connected to in this very deep way and um but you still have to kind of do the work to to maintain or develop a, a friendship a relationship and so i'm just trying my best to do that um with each person you know whether it's nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and all of them are very very important to me um so i do the best i can and and try to visit when i can so that i think that, that you know, really we does. keep having each other I think that you said that exactly right because, I mean, it is family, but it is almost, it is like a a friendship that you have to nurture and keep going because I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest, and I don't want to say it's a mistake because it's not really a mistake. It's, It's that we don't have all the information. And I think people think that reunion is this, this big event that, you know, um, has been, you know, shown on TV that you cry, and you do cry. That's mm-hmm. not really the big part or the bad part or whatever. And then we leave, mm-hmm. it's just going to be this great thing that's just going to be automatic. We're going to be family, and it's all going to be done. And that's the biggest misnomer that there is because from that day forward, it starts the work. You know, it's, it is a friendship, and it is a family, and it is everything in between of that that takes mm-hmm. work every single time you're together and when you're not together of nurturing and and everything else that you know you've got to keep doing it and you've got to keep working at it because you don't just stop you know your other friendships you don't don't work at, not work at it you know um mm-hmm. you still do things for your friends and and your family um you know the, it has it takes a lot of effort and I don't think people realize that that's what this is going to be. And so, so many reunions then fail because people right. don't realize that that's what it's going to take. And, right. um, you know, adoptees are built with that fight or flight. And if we think that an argument's going to happen or something's going to happen, then sometimes we use that flight and we're gone. And because we don't know what we're doing, we don't, there is no handbook. You know, no, no one, no one made a handbook for us, and um, 
it's so it's so scary and we've been rejected once you know so and that trauma and everything else so it's all built into this one big you know emotional ball i guess and yes. you know i i think it's a shame that a lot of reunions don't work if we could tell everybody you know listen you know take it easy take it slow take some time you know know that this mm-hmm. is going to take some work and so i try so hard that when i talk to most of my Indiana peeps, before they go into reunion, you know, this is kind of what, as best I can give them, you know, and I can't be with them in reunion all the time. You know, I can't go with them. Um, mm-hmm. Other reunions are successful, but you can only go so far with them, and you can't tell the other side of the family. You can only tell the adoptee, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't always work. But right. a lot of have gone to conferences and tried to heal and some of the adoptees that I've known have become therapists so you know you do what you can but like you said you know it's it's a friendship that needs like this nurturing and I just wish we could give all of our peeps this head start you know um, Mm -hmm. give them this little handbook that says you know this is what can happen or this is you know, this is the next step, and, like, there's this honeymoon time, and then, you know, this is the next thing that could happen. But, unfortunately, we well, you're can't. Given, you're, given, you're giving me a pretty good segue into group therapy here. <laughs> so, right, so right. here you go. <laughs> because, and from here um, you go. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. But I, I do feel like being in – so, I, you know, I was training to be a therapist at the time when I was in my first – what I call a reunion, because I got that letter from Joellen, right? Like that, I was in graduate school to become a counselor at the time. And and so luckily, in some ways, I went to therapy in trying to make sense of that rejection and um, try to live with, with it as best I could. And at some point, I got myself into group therapy. And it, it couldn't have been better um, for preparation and, and training for reunion in in my future because it's what it is is a group of people right and you're learning how to be in healthy and communicative kinds of relationships with lots of different kinds of people and because a group is made up of like lots of different kinds of people right and and you're you're having all these experiences that can mimic in some ways your family or family of origin or your birth family um and not it's not like you're consciously doing that work but but that's the kind of work you're doing you know you know how you mentioned that adoptees tend to have this um reaction to either impending right. loss or the idea of loss or like they don't they don't necessarily even want to get close because then they know they're going to lose that person just those i i've had that for my whole life in different ways um because of my i think because of adoption or because of relinquishment. Um, but group gave me this place where I could really start to observe it in the moment and start putting words to it. Because I think it happens so early for us when we're, when we're infants or when we're toddlers or when we're right, depending on your, your own relinquishment or adoption story. 
but before words much of the time, right? And so it's a more of a visceral kind of feeling people have or an anxiety response or some kind of a physical, physiological experience when we think we might be losing someone or um, when, that, when that kind of thing happens. And in group, we really can watch it happen and start figuring out what we need in those moments. Um, is there something we can start putting words to and saying, and, you know, things we can say, ways we could try to stay connected with people rather than taking action, right? Ending the relationship or, or just, you know, disappearing emotionally right. or, or physically. So does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think any kind of, any kind of group therapy or having them, you know, having us in in face-to-face um, time with our peeps is good, mm-hmm. you know. Um, not that I yes. don't think social media is great, because it is, because it makes connection um, better than, than none, because I think it, it gets us with our people. So I don't want to, I don't want to dis, you know, social media, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, um, there's nothing like, you know, like our conference and I, not that I'm trying to throw that out there, but I think that's something mm-hmm. we, do, you know, we do, we have, um, you know, our con- we have like a lunchtime little support group time and that time is so special because it's a, it's a group type therapy time. And, um, I think that, is it works wonders and mm-hmm. you know we can talk about anything and everything and you know there's just nothing like hearing someone else feels just like you do when you thought you were the only one out there that felt like that mm-hmm. and right. i I, ne- I never i never thought that you know oh someone felt like i did oh my gosh i'm not the only one you know, so, yeah, I think it can work wonders. So, yeah. yeah, that's definitely one of the therapeutic factors in group is that that experience of seeing that you're not alone in your suffering or, or knowing that other people are struggling in a similar way. It's, it's very helpful to have that. Um, you know, the groups that I lead are more kind of ongoing, long-term, and it's more like psychotherapy than it is support. Um, and so... Right. I think I think there was I was in the group that I was in for seven years, and you get to know people very very well, and they become a real part of your support system. So that you know when you're, so, so say if you know I think I think if you're in reunion and you add a, a therapy group to your life, it's it's an incredible way to add a huge amount of support and help with complicated relationships. Right, you can not only get their help from a therapist, but also get feedback from people that are also doing the same work that you're doing. And, um, and they can help you see how you might be seen by others, right? How, what you do in relationships tends to affect people, um, what you need in those relationships in order to feel safe and secure. So I think it prepared me so well, I was able, you know, in these moments, um, like with my birth mother not too long ago this this past summer, you know, we went on a trip together and and she was able to say to me that get scared that she's going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to be uh, you know, I'm going to leave or or not not want, you know, more time with her. And I and I have the exact same fear, 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It took a lot of courage for her to say that to me and for me to listen and hear that and and for me to say it back to her. But those are the good, that's the good stuff, and it's so hard to do. It's really vulnerable and takes a lot of courage, I think, interpersonal courage. I so, think that happens. Yeah. I think that happens. I don't know. I truly don't know if that feeling ever really goes away completely because, mm-hmm. you know, I was in reunion for 20, well, I'm still in reunion with my sisters. It's ongoing. I, it's never going to end. But my birth mom passed mm-hmm. away from breast cancer. And mm-hmm. I, I was, oh, thank you. I was constantly worried about that, that feeling. And you're always worried about that rejection. I, I mean, I think it lessens, you know, as, you spend obviously more and more years, you know, with with family. You know, you don't you obviously don't think that's going to happen tomorrow. But I think that's mm-hmm. always in the back of your mind um, because I don't think we can ever, you know, one hundred percent let that go. Um, but I don't think it's it's at the forefront of our minds anymore. You know, we we let that go for the most part. We try to enjoy family and. You know, we mm-hmm. have just like with your slowly... sisters, it doesn't come up as much as it used to with your sisters. Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think eventually it does fade. It's it's never truly gone, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I think like my sisters were only like nine and eleven when I found them, so they're adults now in their thirties. Um, they have children, so obviously I'm not going to guess that they're now going to just turn around and walk away. But they could, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that that could happen? Yeah, but I don't think I don't think of that every day. You know, it's not right. Uh, it's not something. But you know, we can still have that fear. I think in our minds because that's that's just the way we have you know that built into us. So it's still a legitimate thought. I think for adoptees. Um, yes. You know, but um, it's still understandable when you're early in reunion to to worry about that on both sides. And I think it's good to talk about it and, you know, to say it. And, you know, at some point I think it's also good to let it go as best you can because you don't want that to always be the topic and, you know, ruin mm-hmm. what is also good and right in front of you either you know so there's this balance and that's very hard to kind of come to that point where okay now can I can I put it aside can I you know kind of settle it you know that we're we've been in reunion for you know but what is what does that time frame look like you know and I think that right. comes how how good is the relationship you know how are you getting along I think that's how an adoptee and a birth parent kind of come to that settling point, you know. If it's rocky, you're never going to come to that point, I don't think, you know. You're never going to feel mm-hmm. like you can say, I feel settled in that thought. Um, I think that's what it comes to more than, more so than the year or the time. It's more that, you know, how how you guys get along and how, you know, nurturing that relationship is. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's how it's, and, and when there's this turmoil that goes on, that makes it very hard to come to that decision. And, you know, there is sometimes a lot of that for people. And um, 
that makes it really rough. So I think these conferences help a lot, um, these workshops and, you know, how do you how do you make yourself feel more at ease versus, you know, the relationship if it's rocky itself. I think that's, you know, because let's face it, some mm-hmm. of these reunions are rocky all the way through. Um, right, they're just, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and you can't you can't let yourself be in that turmoil all the time. You kind of sometimes have to take a step back because that's not healthy either. You know. Mhm. Um, yeah. That's not good. Yeah, that's I hope I hope as many people as possible can attend your conference and and just um, be be around other people that are really um, struggling with the same questions and have the same kind of similar issues, right, and similar ways of thinking about the world and about adoption. I think it's been very healing for me to be more involved in the community. I'm very grateful that somehow I found myself um, in these in these spaces with a lot of adoptees. It's It's changed my life for the better. Uh, you know, me too. I mean, I don't know it, how many conferences, you know, I mean, you've been to. But, I mean, for me, I, I didn't even think that I needed to go to one. So my first one, you know, I thought I had been reunion for, I don't know, probably 15 years. And I thought, I've been in reunion for a long time. I don't need to go to a conference. I mean, what is a conference going to get me? I mean, really, people? Um, No. <laughs> the minute I stepped into a workshop, and the workshop really wasn't wasn't really a, a subject that I thought I really needed. I was just going, and mm-hmm. I left in complete tears. <laughs> but it was Aww. it was it was something I needed, and it completely yeah. changed me. And I needed and I did a complete overhaul of myself. That was nine years ago. Today, actually, nine wow. years ago, maybe next month. And so I think for us, and if anyone's listening, it there's sometimes things that you don't even know you need until you're there. And this conference isn't about us making money. This isn't about anything about that. This money goes back into, you know, adoptee um, programs. It goes back into doing another conference. And, um, you know, we're here for you. Um, and we, we know that you guys need to be with your people and we are your people. And I think (laughs) honestly, when you sit in these workshops, just to sit and listen and take two days away to just sit and listen and just be still or just to be with your peeps, it will make an entire difference in your life. And people probably think, right. But it does. And I know it honestly changed me because just taking the time to just listen to the workshops and some of them are about DNA. And I know a lot of people are doing DNA. And for you and I both, if I hadn't done DNA, I never Mm -hmm. would have found my father. And if you hadn't done DNA, you wouldn't have found your birth father. So for both of us, it changed our lives. Um, mm-hmm. I really think that that alone is one of the best workshops, let alone 
anything else that's on top of that. There's the cherry on top with the rest of them. Um, I mean, there's so many good things that are that are there. We're showing the good adoptee play. We're showing an open secret. It's called the open secrets of film. Um, and I think just spending the time because we don't do that. We're so busy just running from place to place to place that we don't take the time to just sit and enjoy listening to things that could actually improve how we do our reunions or how we just treat ourselves. And we adoptees mm-hmm. don't do that. So right. I just I think that's what a conference is about. And, you know, even in, in regular business life, you know, people go to business conferences to learn how to run a business better. Go to this to learn how to run your adoptee life better. You know, that's what it's about. And I think it it really did help me do that. And I I honestly can't tell you how much better everything went and how I turned everything completely around. And I don't know about you. I don't know. I know that conference you went to. Do you feel like that, that kind of did that for you? Do you feel like you got that from that conference you went to? I didn't. I did in some way. I think what I, you know, I was a presenter at that conference and my mind was pretty preoccupied with that. Probably, I'd yeah, say. yeah. Um, right. But but the dinner for the presenters that night, I was sitting at a table with my wife, but also with all these other adoptees. And I met Ridge House, and I met a couple. I met Suzanne, and my one of my new friends, Aaron, and. I just felt surrounded, like you said, by my peeps. I was like, right. oh, my right. gosh, this is incredible. And I just felt connected to them in a deep way immediately. And so, yeah, yeah. it was that dinner. It wasn't even the conference for me, right. well, although, that, although that's true. the group therapy presentation there was magical. I mean, the people that were in the room for the, the, the talk that I did – I think we all felt transformed and, and I don't know how that happened. I mean, I did, I tried to do the best job I could, but I think there's just <laughs> something about being in the room together, you know, that right. is, is very, very important and, and magical and we all need it. So, so yeah, I guess you're, yes, you're right. My my answer is yes, oh. it did do that. <laughs> well, I think you're right. It isn't even sometimes the workshops. It's just spending the time together too. just taking quiet mm-hmm. time. It may just be sitting in the corner. It may not even be the workshops. Forget the workshops. Mm-hmm. It may be, you know, you know, twenty minutes talking to somebody, you know, over, yes. you know, in the corner. Just you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Or watching you know, that play, the good adoptee. I mean, I saw right. that. I w- I just couldn't even move after I watched that play. It was just like right. I can't right. believe somebody put this into art. It's so beautiful. Yeah. See the film. So. Who knows? The film is excellent. By the way, I saw it. Um, it's been good. Yeah. Well, we've got about a minute left. Um, everybody go to adopteenetwork.org. Um, you can see where you can purchase tickets to the conference. Um, that will take you to, um, Eventbrite, um, where you can purchase them. Um, thanks for being on. I will see you in about eight weeks. So I'm so excited that we get to meet. And, um, this was a great so you and I could probably talk another hour easy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, thank you for being on. I really am um, so excited. I'm glad that your reunion went amazing. Um, I always love to hear that because, you know, it's great closure for 
us, and um, it's amazing. So thank you again for being on. Um, Until next time, you guys, blue skies and green lights, and um, you guys have a great day. Thanks again, Pam. Bye. Bye.